This is a Federal News Network podcast. The government has a young people problem. That is, it's struggled for years now to recruit and attract the next generation to agency jobs. Just 6% of the federal workforce is under the age of 30. Only 24% is under the age of 35. The old folks on the House Government Oversight and Reform Committee heard about the problem and considered a couple of solutions this week. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco has some more details. D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton says it was the first broad hearing that she could remember in a while on the federal workforce. And you know, she's probably right. The intention of a hearing before the House Oversight and Reform Government Operations Subcommittee was to find ways the government could inject more young, fresh talent into the federal workforce. Not a lot of room for controversy there, right? The subcommittee didn't suddenly agree to overhaul the general schedule or vastly shorten the federal hiring process. In fact, there weren't many huge enlightening revelations at all. Congressman Jerry Connolly is the chairman of the House Oversight and Reform Government Operations Subcommittee. As we move forward, we're going to have to prioritize pending some comprehensive redo, restructure of, uh, of the whole system. So where can the subcommittee find some common ground and prioritize? There's actually a few places. First, it's with federal interns. Agencies back in 2010 used to bring on about 35,000 interns. But in 2018, they only brought on 4,000. The Office of Management and Budget has actually been looking at this issue. But it's a priority for Connolly, too. There's no systematic mentorship. There's no guaranteed rotation around an agency so you get exposed to the different missions and maybe pick one you like. There's no debriefing or exit interview when you've had your internship to make sure it went well. There are no criteria for what happens. And as a result, as you might expect, a very low percentage of interns, federal interns, end up joining the federal workforce. Now, this is one right in front of us, right? We don't have to go to anywhere. They're interning. And that is, it seems to me, our first resource. And yet we're not using it. The sharp drop in the number of federal interns is concerning because it means that agencies aren't reaching many young people to get their first taste of federal service. But it also means that agencies are less likely to eventually convert those interns, either competitively or non-competitively, into the federal service. Margot Conrad is director of federal workforce programs at the Partnership for Public Service. One of the biggest challenges that agencies are facing are around workforce planning, and they're not making internships a key part of their workforce planning. They're not setting aside the FTE slots for interns and for recent grads. And so I think that's one of the key areas. And then I would also say that we need to really be focusing on figuring out how government can compete with other sectors. So the private sector is on campus in the fall, and they're making internship offers in the fall for the next summer. And they can do them on the spot. And government can't do that. There are not that many agencies on, the, in the, on campus in the fall. Many are recruiting in the spring when other offers have already been made. Another point where members might prioritize is on the topic of paid family leave. It's not something that agencies currently offer their employees today. And both the Heritage Foundation and the National Treasury Employees Union say this is something the government's missing out on. Rachel Gresler is a research fellow for the Heritage Foundation. Over recent years, we've seen tremendous growth in the private sector offering paid family leave benefits. And this is not just a race to the top among employers that have high-income employees, but also with newer access for lower and middle-income workers. 
the 20 largest companies in the U.S. These are companies like Target, Walmart, Starbucks, Lowe's, now all provide paid family leave. Since employer-provided policies are best for workers, it makes sense for the federal government to provide paid family leave to its workers. But such a policy should replace the current de facto paid leave policy that exists through the use of unlimited sick leave accumulation as well as six weeks of advanced sick leave. House Democrats like New York Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney have been trying for years now to get this paid family leave program through Congress. Maloney told the subcommittee she's actually embarrassed she's been working on the bill for the past 20 years. And she says this kind of program would be a big incentive for young people entering federal service. Top private sector companies are offering paid family leave as part of their benefits packages. But the government isn't. This is absolutely essential for, for, for young workers. Our society has changed. Both the man and the woman are working. The mother and the father are working. And both incomes are needed to make ends meet for most families. There are other ideas, too, to pump more young, fresh talent into the federal workforce. But some of those options you could maybe categorize as more low-hanging fruit. Tony Reardon is the president of the National Treasury Employees Union. And he says... Congress should focus its attention on protecting and enhancing the benefits that federal employees technically already have. Things like preserving telework or enhancing student loan repayment programs. And avoiding another government shutdown, that would be good too. Here's Reardon. The mere fact that we have to fight so hard and so often for these basic things takes its toll on the workers that I represent. They are in a constant state of uncertainty, and that has a significant impact on morale and on the government's ability to recruit and retain talented employees. On telework, the Government Accountability Office seems to agree. Agencies shouldn't shy away from it. Robert Goldenkoff is Director of Strategic Issues at GAO. One of the barriers is cultural within agencies. There's this old notion that uh, some managers have is that if I can't see you, how do I know that you're working? And so that needs to be overcome. And, you know, so long as that's, that's pervasive, the telework won't expand. There are also some startup costs. Agencies do have to invest in, in some startup technology. There's training. So those can be uh, barriers as, as well. But overall, you know, it's something that is very doable. Agencies have successes with telework, and it does make good business sense. Bigger, bolder ideas on how to get more young talent into the federal workforce, they did come up. And they ranged far and wide. Overhauling the way agencies hold poor performers accountable was one of them. And then there's the tricky issue of getting rid of the general schedule. That one still seems like a long shot. Congressman Mark Meadows is the ranking member of the Government Operations Subcommittee. And he wanted to know if an organization like NTEU, for example, would even go for something like that. Here's Meadows with Reardon. If you're saying, listen, all I want is a little bit more money at the top, that fix it for you. That's good. At least we know not to embark on it. But if you fundamentally want to change, I'm one of the few Republicans who are willing to say that I want you to be paid. I want to attract new workers. I'm willing to invest dollars to reform it and make it work. And I'm also willing to hold harmless to make sure that people are not getting penalized because we're going through a reorganization to do that. But if, if that's just barking up the wrong tree, I, I, I need to know that. Right. Well, I mean, I appreciate. So, is it barking up I, the wrong tree? Uh, it may be. Okay. So, so but, but here, I'll yield but, back. But let me, but let me be, no, no. But let me be clear. You know, I never 
say, without knowing all the facts. And no, I, I, I get that. What's going but on. I mean, I'm willing to listen. I am absolutely willing to listen. But what I'm, tell, what I'm you know, passing along to you is that my members, um, and I personally believe that there is a system in place that would work if yeah. it was properly utilized. And, and that's, that's where probably fundamentally we disagree, but that's okay. okay. Nicola Grisco, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.